Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo, and join with me again at the hip is our special guest, Shane Young of Forbes Sports. Shane, what's going on, man? We've been to Phoenix together. We've been in L.A. together. We're both exhausted. I'm very tired. You're very tired. This season's drained us. How are you doing? I'm very tired. You've nailed it once again, Justin. And I think it's safe to say that the desert heat is still having an effect on us all this time later. Yeah, that was that heat for uh, Sunday for game one uh, last Sunday for game one was absolutely just traumatizing. You walk uh, outside and you instantly feel like you just want to crawl inside somewhere and die. I was two blocks from the arena in my hotel in a nice 70 degree hotel room. Stepped outside, had to walk the two blocks, walked into the media entrance and was drenched in sweat, wondering where the hell I had gone. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you where you went. You went to the valley, the valley of the sun, the valley of the winners. I went to hell. (laughs) That place like the look, I'm Phoenix in other months is probably fine. And I've been there in like March and it's been fine. And I've been there in, in like around uh, October and November before, and it's fine. June ain't it. June, July, August. No, that is not the bee's knees. That place sucks during those months. Well, you're talking about a future finals destination, Justin or so. I mean, that's great. I, I, you, that that's honestly congratulations to them if they do indeed make the finals and they're up three one and we're going to talk about it. You cannot get me to go back to that city when it's over one hundred and ten. I, I I can't I can't do it. My body, 100. I, I, buddy, it was one hundred and eighteen when we walked to the arena. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the biggest uh, the, the biggest problem with it is that it's one hundred and eight at nighttime when there's a moon out explain that one to me man like like that that is what caught me off guard just walking downtown with our buddies tomer farbad and Miriam. i was i went to go get something to eat at 8 30 on sunday night it was 107 <laughs> and i i was honest to god wondering who i had pissed off <laughs> Like, sir, I'm walking the streets. I'm walking. I'm walking on Monroe Avenue, whatever the hell it was named after one of the presidents, as I came to find out. I I got got, I got a history lesson just from you in the arena that day. Yeah, I gave you a history lesson just because I had gotten one from someone at, you know, in downtown Phoenix about why the streets are numbered and there's summer streets, summer avenues. There's a central avenue. There's streets named after presidents, but they don't go in chronological order. It. I, I don't know who designed the downtown Phoenix infrastructure where street names and stuff do better, please. But I understand the sun probably cooked your brain a little bit, so it might not actually be your fault. Oh, yeah. And we know this. We know that there's about to be a Devin Booker Avenue if he leads this team to the promised land. We do know that. Avenue or street? 
I don't know because they don't know what their streets or avenues are down there either. <laughs> Anyways, game one was on Sunday, uh, last Sunday, excuse me, Sunday afternoon. Phoenix beats the Clippers 120 to 114. Um, the Clippers looked fine. They didn't look great. They looked fine. And yes, we are about to run through all four games. We're going to try to make it as brief as possible. I apologize. We have a lot to catch up on. As we mentioned, Shane, and I've been exhausted. I've been run ragged by this schedule. When I came back from Phoenix, the literal first thing that I did is I got in my car, drove to go sit uh, to get sushi, drove and sat there for an hour to unwind, came home <laughs> and literally passed out for 12 hours. That should tell you the level of fatigue I had. I don't know if it was the heat there. I don't know if it was my own sleep schedule. I don't know what's going on. But anyways, we're going to run through the four games. Phoenix wins 120-114 game one. Clippers play fine. Didn't play great, but they play fine. It's actually tied going into the fourth quarter, which I took as a win for the Clippers because A, they're without Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka, and B, it's such a very quick turnaround after beating Utah in game six Friday night in Los Angeles. So if you're in that game, that's kind of like a win. Maybe you can steal it. Well, they don't steal it. They get, they're down by uh, 10 with two minutes to go after a Mikhail Bridges three, but the Clippers kind of try to make some headway. They get down to they get the deficit down to two with 22 seconds to go. Phoenix calls a timeout. They inbound. Devin Booker gets an open dunk because the Clippers blow an assignment. And lo and behold, that's how the Clippers lose game one. If you're wondering about if you're wondering about stats from a game one, it was a really good game. Uh, Paul George had 34 points. Reggie Jackson had 24 points. The story of the game one was Devin Booker. He had 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, only two turnovers. He was great. He absolutely obliterated the Clippers in the mid-range. That was the biggest takeaway I had from game one, Shane, was just how much so, especially in the third quarter, the Clippers just let Devin Booker get to his sweet spots in the mid-range. Yeah, I think he made seven in the mid-range. Um, unless I'm wrong on that, I think it was seven of like maybe 11 or 12. He was definitely cooking them. Chris Paul style in the absence of Chris Paul. So that was that was fascinating to see how they how the Clippers played their drop coverage to a certain degree. Uh, kind of like a fill out moment for them where they were tr- trying to get a feel literally of how of how Devin was going to attack in those moments. And, uh, you know, you had Pat Beverly uh, only playing 15 minutes that night in game one. You know, I, I guess Ty just trying to get guys rest from the Utah series. And, and even like he, he said it, he said it before the game started, man. Like he said that they were going to open up the rotation and that's what he did to start the series. The same thing. It literally felt identical to game one against Utah because of DeMarcus cousins getting 13 minutes, taking 10 shots in those 13 minutes, uh, posterized Dario Sarage, which just uh, Sabrina was sitting next to me. I just said, Holy shit. I looked over and said, holy shit, right when he did that. It was nuts. Um, Rajon Rondo, 22 minutes of that game, game one. Uh, Zoo didn't start, you know, 18 minutes. So it was just all over the place in the rotation. And and I thought they started uh, thought, small. They started yeah. small. Let's get mm-hmm. that out the way. They, so they started small with Terrence uh, basically in the Kawhi role. They did the same thing as they did uh, Utah game six. But go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to finish by saying, like, I really think that's that Ty's hand is forced in these game ones because although Batum did play 37 minutes and PG played 39 minutes, Reggie played 39 minutes, like although your top guys played the the high minute load, you don't want to run all of your guys into the ground and just be depleted after one game of the series. So like he had to play Rondo and those guys, those minutes. And, and really like if you look back at game one, kind of, it might've cost them the Rondo and Boogie minutes might've cost them the first game. 
Uh, yeah, and you could also have an argument that the Rondo and Boogie minutes might have cost them in Game 2 as well. Uh, game 2, the Clippers lose 104-103. The big story, as we know, is what happened at the end of the game. Let's talk about some of the other stuff, though. Paul George has 26 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Luke Kennard gives them 10 points. I believe uh, all 10 of those were in the fourth quarter. Um, he was really good in the fourth quarter. They start Vita Zubats. Zu plays fine, 14 points, 11 rebounds. Um, they had to play bigger because they needed to have Zu in there against Aiton. And Patrick Beverly gets the start again. He's back in the starting lineup. Patrick Beverly's defense against Devin Booker is really good. Beverly holds Devin Booker to 20. I shouldn't say just – it wasn't just Pat Beverly. But Booker ends up scoring 20 points. But he does it on 5 of 16 shooting, and he has eight turnovers. Um, the real story of game two is they had no answer yet again for Cameron Payne. <laughs> Cameron Payne killed him in game one, absolutely killed him in game two. He had 29 points, nine assists, no turnovers. Um, but, you know, end of the game, let's talk about it. When you end up going back to look at this, the Clippers are down. Let, let's, let's snapshot this for a second. Yeah. The Clippers are down five with 90 seconds to go. Clippers have the ball. Luke Kennard makes a jumper. You're down three. Devin Booker has an offensive foul. Clippers ball. Paul George gets fouled, makes two free throws. You're down one. Campaign misses a layup with 36 seconds to go. Paul George makes a layup with 30 seconds to go. Clippers lead by one. Timeout Phoenix. Devin Booker, 15-footer, gives Phoenix the lead. 27 seconds to go. Clippers timeout. Clippers come out, side out of bounds. 22 seconds, Paul George hits a 21-footer, puts the Clippers right back in front by one point. So it's Phoenix ball with 22 seconds to go. They come up the floor. Devin Booker turns the ball over with nine seconds to go after a replay ruling where Patrick Beverly slapped the ball out of Devin Booker's hands and the ball rolled, rolled off of Booker's fingers. So the referee, based on a replay, said, this is the letter of the law. If whoever's hand it goes off of last, it's the ball of the other team. So while Patrick Beverly was the one who impacted the ball to make it go out of bounds, it came off of Devin Booker last. Hence, it is Clippers ball. Clippers take a full timeout, inbound the ball with, with nine seconds to go. Paul George gets intentionally fouled by Mikael Bridges. That makes sense. They're down by one. They have to foul to put him on the line. Paul George misses both free throws. It's not the end of the world, but if he makes both free throws or even just one of the free throws, there's a chance that the worst thing that could happen or at least one of the worst outcomes for the Clippers is overtime. However, they're only up by one. Eight seconds to go, or excuse me, seven seconds to go when Phoenix gets the rebound, calls timeout. Phoenix inbounds. They trap Devin Booker. A swing, a swing. Mikhail Bridges, really good look from a corner three-point spot. He misses it. Ball caroms off. Terrence Mann and DeAndre Ayton fight for the ball. I still don't know who it went out off of. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Ball goes out of bounds. Official rules that it's Phoenix ball. They go to review it. ESPN doesn't show anything other than the live feed of the replay, so we don't see any other replay. That's fine. It is what it is. It's Phoenix ball. 0 0.9 seconds to go. Phoenix is inbounding from the baseline. Ty... Lou puts in DeMarcus Cousins and Evita Zubats because you're you're taught with point nine, you either have to do a really quick catch and shoot or it's going to be a lob attempt at the rim. So why not put in two big men? DeMarcus Cousins is guarding the inbounds. Evita Zubats is on Aiton. Clippers are spread over the court. 
bang, bang, boom. Play happens. Inbound from Jay Crowder. Finds DeAndre Ayton. Slam dunk. Clippers lose. Here's the thing. That play went completely awry on several fronts. Number one, DeMarcus Cousins is in the wrong spot defending the inbound. He defended it straight up. You have to actually be angled towards the rim, considering the worst thing is the ball going towards the rim. You want to force the ball away from the rim. He didn't even attempt to do that. Number two, Zoo gets roughhoused with by Aiton and Booker. That's fine. It is what it is. But when that happens, Nick Batum, who's in the game, makes the wrong step. He steps to the right rather than stepping left. And if he steps left, he steps into the lane to switch onto Aiton on the roll. He completely botched the switch. Ty Lue even talked about how the Clippers botched the switch uh, later on. He, like, I don't know if it was that night or the night after he talked about how they botched the switch because you're taught in those instances to always switch everything late clock, end of game situations. So that's how it happened. Clippers could have been level in the series 1-1. Instead, they're down 2-0 and Shane, they got to come back home and protect co- home court somehow at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. you know, after game two, it was, you know, from a Clippers perspective, it was depressing because you look at things like, hey, th- they could have easily won that game if, if one or two things just go differently for them on the last possession. I still do not understand like you know Batum taking that wrong step is one thing Zoo doing his best to recover after getting screened or pulled into pushed into the screen uh by Booker and then you know all you could look at a point you could point at a lot of things on that play but I still understand having someone guard the inbounder what sense does it make to have someone guard the inbounder if you know you can only get beat by the the alley-oop to Aiden or, you know, a wild catch and shoot attempt. So why not just go have cousins for my, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but like just for me, if I was a coach, I would say, screw the inbounder, just, just go double somebody or go right under the basket. In theory. Yes. I don't mind the guy defending the inbounds as long as, as long as he's in the right position. He wasn't cousins yeah, just I mean, wasn't in the right it. positions. Like he complete the sidelined angle completely shows you how open it is for a pass for Crowder or from Crowder. Like nothing is deterred there. It's abysmal. It's bad structure. Someone had to have told him or he just, you know, no one, either someone told him and he didn't do it or no one (laughs) told him and they all messed up. And at the end of the day, you just got to look at it as they all messed up. No one did what they needed to do. And that's why they lost game two. Zoo almost got it, man. Zoo was right there, just got blocked by the rim a little bit. And and really, like, I think that's uh, I think we're going to start seeing this play a lot more. We've only seen it a couple times, maybe two or three times uh, since I've been watching the league. Uh, but Crowder, I think we you know, we can't say enough about that pass because, you know, I think the, the coaches tr- tell them, hey, try to make it like actually try to shoot the ball into the goal. And all DeAndre has to do is go and touch it. He just has to put his pinky on it and it counts. Game three uh, occurred on Thursday in Staples Center. Basically, the only takeaway I had from this game is the Clippers actually looked really good in the third quarter, and that's what's kind of, that's what buoyed them to a win. They didn't look good in the second, but they looked really good in the third. Uh, they pretty much controlled this game for for large stretches with their defense and with their actual energy getting to the uh, getting to the rim and actually preventing Phoenix from getting easy looks inside. Uh, 
Um, there's really not much I actually have as a takeaway for game three, unless you can think of something specifically. Uh, Chris oh. Paul didn't look great first game back from his COVID absence. Uh, 15 points, 12 assists, but he's 5 of 19. Devin Booker, another poor shooting night, 15 points, but he's only 5 of 21. Paul George has 27 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. Doesn't shoot well, but doing everything else at a high level. Reggie Jackson, 23 points. Avita Zubats probably was the best player in the game. 15 points, 16 rebounds, 6 on the offensive glass, a couple blocks. Uh, Terrence Mann gave them 12 points. I believe 10 were in the third. Kennard uh, gave them stuff. Um, I guess the big takeaway is that Marcus did not start this game because there was rumblings about whether or not he would actually be healthy enough to go. It was ruled he was going to be able to go, but it was late. Like he was initially in the starting lineup when it was announced, uh, when the Clippers PR sent out the tweet about the starting lineup. Then we found out literally as they're introducing the starting lineup on the floor, Marcus Morris isn't starting. It's Terrence yeah. Mann. So Mann starts and plays 32 minutes. I thought they looked really good. The Clippers controlled the game. And for a brief instance, they're back in this series. Yeah, their defense in the first and third quarters in particular, just absolutely phenomenal, especially from Zubots. Like that was another game that you and I were both at, Justin. And like you looked over to me in the third quarter, might might have been midway through it and said, that's the best game of Zoo's career. And we weren't even done yet. Like you still had a quarter and a half to go. Um, And I definitely I definitely can see that viewpoint that that Zoo is probably the biggest takeaway just of how he was really shutting off the shutting off the water on CP3's mid-range pull-ups. I mean, Chris did get to a few of them with clean enough looks, but you can always tell when a big is um, deterring Chris or or kind of affecting his shot by how much arc he puts on the shot. You know, against Rudy Gobert, despite Rudy being, you know, the the stifled tower, like, you know, as tall as he is, Chris still feels comfortable, can get that separation, but but Zoo was doing a good job of meeting him at the at the elbows. Like like he was just crowding meet, him. Yeah. Meeting him at the spots that he knew he anticipated where Chris was going to pull up and forcing Chris to kind of alter the shot a little bit. And uh, you know, Chris had a poor shooting night, uh, so did Devin Booker. And another point, another moment I like to point out is there was a possession where Devin was driving or something and got I think he got uh bumped and then you showed me that he actually adjusted his mask you know during the middle of the play so like you could tell that he was not fully comfortable and still a little bit flustered by by the nose injury yeah he was a little bit flustered by that um which is which is to be completely completely understood like that's I'm not trying to wash that away that's completely understood um, but yeah, I think that was the best game of Zeus' career, which is saying a lot because I do think he's had some really good games. I there's a funny thing, by the way, um, to take from this series with Zoo, which I will mention after we talk about game four. It made me it made me go back and think, like in the bubble, I believe he had he had a really good or dominant Dallas game. Now maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels like maybe that maybe that was during the regular season. So it wasn't as significant or monumental, but I do feel like he has absolutely dominated Dallas uh, in one game, and it might have been like better technically than his performance in Game Three of the series. But but all things considered, West Finals, yeah, you have to give that as the best game of his career. I think that game you're thinking of, it was in the bubble. It was like one of those seeding games, though. Oh yeah, the uh, he had games 21 that... and 15, and he made all 10 shots in that game. 
Oh yeah, just completely destroyed KP and Boban. Yeah. Yeah. Um game 4 was on Saturday night. Clippers lose or I should say Suns win 84-80. Actually no. Clippers lost, Suns won. At one point they both were losing. <laughs> no one was winning. This is one of the worst offensive games of basketball you'll ever watch. It was truly offensive to be honest from being there. The Clippers looked like they had no legs, like absolutely mm-hmm. nothing in the gas tank. And they kept just hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. They never led, but they were hanging around. They're within they're within 10 and they're within eight. And now it's six and now it's four. And all of a sudden it's one and it's one and it's one. And we're still stuck at one. <laughs> Somehow no one's made a shot in four minutes and we're still stuck at one. Like at one point in the fourth quarter, from the 10 minute mark of the fourth quarter until the 630 mark. So three and a half minutes, the Clippers and Suns, Combined to miss 15 consecutive shots, 15 consecutive shots. I don't know the last time that's ever happened in a postseason game, let alone a fourth quarter of a highly competitive, highly intense postseason game, because it was a one point game and neither team got anything to fall. In the end, Phoenix wins 84, 80. The Clippers had their chances. God knows they had their chances. Um, we can cite the fact that they're injured and we'll talk about that. We could cite the fact that they're fatigued and we'll talk about that. It doesn't matter. They had their chances at the end of the day. You have to take advantage of them, but they didn't and they missed and they kept missing. Phoenix missed too. looks at Phoenix sometimes will make sometimes won't same thing with the Clippers. It was just an awful performance mm-hmm. for both teams. And boy, I wish I could have the time of that fourth quarterback. Well, according to you, uh, even Phoenix fans, the ones that should have been happy about the Clippers' misfortunes in the fourth quarter were even calling this a disgusting, disgraceful, just abhorrent game. I had two Phoenix fans sitting in front of me, and they've since found me on Twitter, and they were very nice. We were talking back and forth, and we, we, we had a great time talking about the game. They would turn and ask me about stats from the game. At one point in the fourth quarter, they turned and looked at me. I believe it was the 637 mark in the fourth. There was a timeout. The, the guy asked, one of the guys asked me, how many shots have been made in the fourth quarter? I did the quick math. There were two shots made. Him and his friend looked absolutely flabbergasted there. There was only two shots made in the fourth quarter. I was as well. And with about yeah. a minute and a half to go, I talked to them again. And mind you, Phoenix is up five when I talked to them with about a minute and a half to go. And we're talking about how much of this game sucks. And their team is winning. And their team is pretty much about to win the game because five points at that time felt like 500. And everyone sitting there is like, this game absolutely sucks. There was a scout <laughs> sitting next to me who was also in agreement that the game sucked. The game was not good. Like, when we talk about memorable playoff games, this is not it. <laughs> or maybe it is for the wrong reasons. But speaking of hashtag not good, uh, Justin, the Clippers half-court offense scored just 74.7 points per 100 possessions. It was their second worst half-court offensive game of the season. Would you care to guess the other one or the one that was worse than that? I have no idea. The Sunday afternoon beat down in Staples Center by 51 points to Dallas. That makes sense. Yeah, I forgot about that one. The fact that they haven't replicated that in six months and it happened to be like in the most pivotal, it could be a 2-2 series or it can be 3-1 with your season hanging in the balance game. Uh, just remarkable stuff. I mean, you know, I guess in the bad way, remarkable. But, you know, 
what I also laughed about while I wrote that earlier is both of those games, the Dallas beatdown and this one, no Kawhi Leonard. Well, that makes sense. I mean, when you're yeah. without one of the five best players in the world, it you're bound to look like crap on offense. Um, but the Clippers now trail 3-1. They have to go into Phoenix on Monday evening and try to claw out a Game 5 victory in order to get back to Staples Center for Game 6 and then get back to Phoenix for Game 7. But as Ty Lewis talked about, you can only take one game at a time. You can't look at it and just try to win. Th- you can't win three games on one night is essentially yeah. what it is. You have to take it one game at a time. And I like what Ty said. Quarter when the media quarter. talked. Yeah, media talked to him on Sunday, quarter by quarter. You got to take it quarter by quarter. You keep there and the, you keep with them in the first. You keep with them in the second. You keep, up with the, keep with them in the third. You have a chance in the fourth, basically, is, you know, like that's kind of the old adage is like if you stay within range, you give yourself a chance. The Clippers did it in game one. They lost. The Clippers did it in game two. They lost. They did it in game four. They lost. It happens. The margins, the margins in this series are very, yeah. very slim. The Clippers have lost by a grand total of 11 points in three games. Their one win was by 14. It happens. It is the nature of the beast. Shane, I have some stats for you. Then we'll talk about some other stuff as it pertains to the series. You ready? Yeah. The Clippers have a 94.5 half-court offensive rating in this series. Phoenix, 85.4. And the Clippers are losing the series. <laughs> And the margin is is plus three Clippers for the whole series, right? Yeah. Ooh, buddy. Phoenix is just winning in transition because they're getting out and running more. Which credit to them. I mean, they're they're doing the damn thing. I'm not. Like, and, and they never did that in the regular season, which is cr- like they're a slow team. Yeah, but they're getting out, and they're they're op- they've been very opportunistic in this series more than anything. Um, yeah, it's been one of the interesting things to watch is when you go through and look at everything, like this is a team who knows what they're good at. And at the end of the day, they're taking advantage of it. And I, I do think that even though this, this has been a weird dynamic because I think Zoo is having a fantastic series individually, but like DeAndre Ayton has been just phenomenal is not even the word. Like, I mean, he is ascending into a place that I didn't think he could be in at this stage of his career. I have a couple. Well, he's been a fun. Yeah, he's been absolutely insane. He's been the best player in the series, bar none. Yeah. He's been just him. And a lot of that is because of the uh, attention that Booker and Chris Paul um, mm. take up. Like, that's just the reality of it. I got a couple more stats. These are going to blow your mind. You ready? Yeah. 35% of the Clippers shots have been at the rim. 28 28.7% for Phoenix. 43% of Phoenix's shots have been in the mid-range. <laughs> Among the four teams in the conference finals, among the four teams in the conference finals, they have had the lowest percentage of shots come from three, 28.4%. The closest team to them is Milwaukee, who is 7% higher. God. Phoenix is just living in the mid-range, and it's working. Um, Actually, I shouldn't even say it's working. No, I shouldn't even say it's working. They're making 37% of their mid-range shots. They're just getting offensive rebounds. And, and yeah. they're getting out in transition for, for opportunistic runs. And the Clippers just can't score at the rim. The Clippers are shooting 50.7% at the rim in the series. It's absolutely dreadful. Which 50%? Is, which, 50.7%, yes. Which is a sign to me, tired legs. Yeah. 
I mean, you know that and like short arming threes or you know short you know front rimming threes. Oh, that, that was bad in game four. Yeah, for sure. That that's a sign of legs and free throws, missed free throws. Even though like you know that that's just a that's a matter of like chance and probability as well. Like you know, I, I do think fatigue settles in there as well. Um, so <laughs> it, it's it's mind blowing to me. Kind of what you said about the the Suns, how it's not necessarily working that they're living in the mid range, but they're surviving. I the way I would put it is, if you presented Ty Lue with a, a shot diagram of the sun shot profile in the series, and you said this is what the sun shot profile is going to look like, do you think you're going to win? He would laugh his ass off and say we're going to sweep them, and that hasn't been the case, right? Like, like, would you agree with that? Like, this is the shot quality that he wants from the Suns. Yeah, I mean. This is, I mean, this is also what Phoenix did in the regular season. They lived in the mid range. That's fine. Like that's, that's what Ty Lue wants the Clippers to be at defensively is you don't give up threes. You don't give up rim attempts. They're living in the mid range. You live with them in the mid range. Devin Booker has scored in his last three games. Devin Booker has scored 60 points on 59 shots, almost one point per shot. That's not good. Uh, the Suns are 25.6% from three and they're up three, one, they're going to go to the finals like that. That's, that's, that's crazy. It's staggering. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's mind blowing. Like you just, you honestly, when you hear these numbers, you're like, I just wish the Clippers were healthy and they're not. (laughs) And you know, if the Clippers were fully healthy, do they beat Phoenix? It doesn't matter what I think, to be honest in that regard, it just doesn't like, this is the hand they were dealt. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is still out with a right knee sprain. Sergi, oh, can I say something real quick? Go ahead. I am tired of getting DMs on Instagram and Twitter. I'm tired of getting mentions every day. I do not know. I do not know when Kawhi Leonard is coming back or if he's coming back. Please stop asking me. Please stop asking everyone because we don't know. When we know, the world will know. Even if I knew, I wouldn't tell them. Like I yes. would. I would talk to the people that like you and Farbod and Tomer and Miriam. I'm just tired of like, like we are getting called bad reporters and bad writers and bad people for not pursuing and persisting on asking the questions. It's like, what the hell do you want me to do? Do you want me to to tie, tie Lou down to the chair and say like, you will give me an answer. You're not leaving this damn room. Like I'm not like, like it doesn't work like that. He wouldn't even know. Yes. He doesn't know either. (laughs) I was going to say something. I'm not going to say it because I, okay. I, w- I would give a little way of the, the cat out of the back. But he doesn't know. Look, there, we don't know what's going on. All right. When 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 we know, you'll know. That's the literal reality of the situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know what else to say, but Kawhi's out. He's going to be out for the rest of the series, probably. Sergi Bach is out for the rest of the postseason. Nick Batum's banged up. Terrence Mann's banged up. Marcus Morris is trying to move on one leg and it's not looking great, but he's trying and he's giving it his all. So fans need to back off on guys that are playing clearly hurt to try to get this team to their first ever finals. They've been playing hurt to get them to the first ever Western Conference finals. So at least ease up on guys who are having bad nights due to heavy minute workloads over, you know, they what they just played 17 games in 35 days and they're exhausted ease up a little bit people like these are human beings if you did anything every other day you'd be exhausted too you know like good lord and and we also have to get past that whole like i saw someone uh tweet this after rachel 
Nichols said that, you know, they've played 17 games in 35 or 36 days, whatever it was. Someone says, like, now we're complaining about doing work every other day. I'm sorry, but playing 40-plus minutes in an NBA game, traveling, practicing. If you do practice in the, in the playoffs, I mean, it's tough to get some get, get some reps in. But You go through walkthroughs. Yeah. Recovery is different than just going to your office job every day. Like, your body does not heal right away. Like, th- this shit takes time, and I think that is what – you know, we got to get past this idea of like, oh, every other day, suck it up, cry babies. Like this stuff takes a toll on you. Buddy, what do we talk about in the very beginning of this podcast? We're drained and we just sit here and watch basketball for like, we just sit here and watch it. I drive to the arena. I sit there. I watch basketball. I tweet about basketball. I write about it. I come home. I go to sleep. I do a video breakdown. I, I try to do a podcast if I can. I go back to the arena two days later. I come back. I'm exhausted. These are high level <laughs> athletes. So, of course, they're going to be exhausted. Like, ease up on some stuff. Like, good Lord. Like, it's, it's honestly insane. Um, but the Clippers are down 3 1. They've lost these games on the margins. They could be up 3 1. But we don't talk. So, we, we don't deal with coulda, woulda, shouldas. We deal with the reality of the situation. They're down 3 1. The season is on the brink for them. Game five, Monday night in Phoenix. No Kawhi Leonard, no Serge Ibaka, one-legged Marcus Morris. Other guys are banged up. You're going back on the road against a team that is trying to go to their first finals in what, like almost 30 years? And 1993. Yeah, so almost 30 years. Oh, my God, that was already almost 30 years ago. Good Lord. (laughs) Um, And now you have to deal with that crowd, and you have to deal with their energy, and you have to deal with another tough loss. I don't know how they're going to respond. But this team has responded incredibly well every time their back has been against the wall this this regular season, this postseason. Maybe they come out and win game five. I don't think that's likely, but crazier has happened. As we saw in game five in Utah and game six at Staples Center when Terrence Mann went for 39 and the Clippers came back from down 25 in the third quarter. We've seen crazy. I'm not ruling anything out or anything out of the realm of possibility at this point with this team, this season, with this coach and this roster, because nothing makes sense anymore. I just want to say, if this truly is the end, this has been a hell of a season and I wouldn't change it for anything. It's been, it's been a wild roller coaster because I think the narrative on this team has changed so much. Like, and it's, and it's really promising for the future, honestly, because like, if you, if you just like expect Kawhi to resign the summer, then you have you have a lot to look forward to. As we were talking off the air, like you know, thing you know, we don't want to write the we don't want to write the, like eulogy on the team right now. They they could still win Game Five, but it's like they could or you could see what the, the production and, and progression of Terrence Mann has done for them going forward. Like next year, you know, like someone asked me earlier. What major changes do they need to do? I mean, there's there's things here and there that they'll tweak because no roster ever stays 100% the same. But, I mean, just just don't, you know, you sit there and pray for Kawhi to not have a freak injury n- next year, next May in the playoffs. Don't so bump into like, Joe Ingles next time. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, like man, I don't, know, I don't know. You're in the West Finals. You look at the teams that will be back next year. I mean, the Lakers presumably will be healthy, but they're older and their role players aren't necessarily – the cream of the crop. Um, I think the Clippers have one of the best supporting casts coming back. So, I mean, it's like, even if they lose game five um, and they're out, I mean, this season has been a success. And you can honestly say, like, factually, 
it's been the best season in franchise history. So you just build upon that. Yeah, it's been a blast. I've loved covering it. I've loved going to games. I've loved interacting with people. I've loved meeting people. I've loved following the team, talking to Ty, talking to players. It's been a blast. It, it's just crappy that they didn't really get a, a full, like, fair, not fair, fair is the wrong word, a, a full chance at it with Kawhi in the conference finals. It is um, it is weird that we that we haven't seen them have that that uh, full roster for this moment, the moment that they have waited for for 50 plus years, but and it and it's also kind of discouraging that on the other side of the bracket, you have two teams that are, you know, the, the Bucks are great. Um the Hawks are good. But you have two teams that you could really see the Clippers beating in the finals. And, it, it, you know, that that is going to sting. Let, let's just say, uh, for the sake of this argument, I guess, like, let's just say this team ends up being like the 2013 Thunder where, like, they just never get back. Like, that will sting if the Clippers can't get to the West Finals again or can't get to the finals. Like, you know, this particular run will will linger for a while. Yeah, it's just the nature of the business at this point. Um well, who knows? Maybe they win game five and all of a sudden we're looking like, whoa, like, dude, like, what the hell? Like, this team is, like, still fighting, you know? I mean, I would expect Phoenix's role players to play very well at home, um, you know, but it's it's funny. Like, we, we've talked about, you know, they're down 3-1, and I know I talked – I said, you know, you can't do coulda, woulda, shouldas. But if you make a couple free throws, if you, def- you know, you defend uh, a final play of a game better, if you – if you just execute a little bit better, like, you know, in the final, like 30 seconds of a game, maybe you're up three, one. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, Phoenix is on the brink and the Clippers can get like 10 days off before the yeah. NBA finals, <laughs> but it is what it is. And you're dealt the hand that you're dealt. Um, some of it, the Clippers did on their own in terms of, you know, missing shots or missing free throws or, you know, the play at the end of game two in this series, some of it's out of their uh, out of the realm of their control as far as the scheduling with the NBA with that Sunday afternoon game for game one where it, they should have not had to play it. that. I can't they believe it. <laughs> this, sh- this series should have started on Tuesday. Uh, the day that game two was should have been game one because if there was a game seven, it would have been Sunday, July 4th, if there was a game seven. And that could have done major ratings, but they didn't want to do it. The finals, you know, it is what it is. Um the Clippers haven't really complained, at least not publicly. So, like I said, it is what it is. You just move on. You got to deal with the mm-hmm. hand that you're dealt with. And at the end of the day, this is the furthest the Clippers have ever been. They're still alive, even if it doesn't look, you know, hopeful or gleeful or anything like that. But it could be a lot worse. Like, it really could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. They could have flamed out in the first round, and we would have been talking about, like, you know, like a retrospect on, on one of the players yeah. and just been miserable about it. But – you know, at the end of the day, this team has fought and fought and fought and fought all year long. Injuries or not, next man up, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. You've heard the mantra many times. Maybe game five, they come out and surprise us. If it happens, that's all, that's absolutely amazing. I, I wouldn't put it past this team, but it's not looking great right now, but we'll see what game five has in store. I'll say this. Uh, if they are going to win three straight, you know, Reggie Jackson has to average like 25 or 30. <laughs> like he's going to be the reason they do win three straight if they do. I mean, or PG just has to shoot a little bit better. But in Paul George's case, it's like Phoenix is suffocating him because he's the main engine. Like he's the one guy 
that they're terrified of on the Clippers because Kawhi's not there. Yeah. And Marcus has hobbled, who's one of their other shot creators. So it's like it's PG and Reggie. And Phoenix is just enveloping him to the point where he can't get to the spots he wants to get to. And some of it is also fatigue because of the minutes burden he's had to carry. It just is what it is. Like, you know, it's not an excuse to talk about. It just is the nature of the beast at this point. But look, maybe the Clippers surprise us in game five. And if they surprise us in game five, you know, they got a fighting chance. So, you know, here's to the Clippers pulling out game five and at least, you know, giving us one more day of content and one more game at Staples Center that we can all go to. Yeah, I mean it. You know, I don't really have much more to add. I, I, I think the other, the only thing I will say is like, kind of going back to your point about um, how they could have flamed out. You know what? You know what number or what score I'm going to point to right now is thirty to eleven. Like, I still like to this day. It's June twenty eighth. I still go back to that day. I think it's been a, a month since that day, or maybe maybe that game happened in June, but. Um, down 30 to 11 in Dallas like they could they could have folded right there like they theoretically if you if you play out all of those scenarios of the Dallas series like they don't win that game or that series uh as many times as you would as you would like in the simulations uh maybe just a few times out of 100 but it's like man the fact that they're here now with a chance to extend the west finals is kind of crazy yeah, they they shouldn't have beat Dallas. You know, down two zero, down thirty to eleven in the third in the first quarter of Game Three. They shouldn't have beat Utah, down two zero, and then they come into Game Five and they're without Kawhi back in Utah and they win Game Five. And they shouldn't have won Game. They won Game Five with Utah making seventeen first half threes. They win Game <laughs> Six even though Utah's up twenty five in the third quarter and no Kawhi again. And they win that, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, maybe this is some weird team of destiny type stuff. And then the Phoenix series slaps you right back into reality of what the Clipper, like what's happened to the Clippers and for 51 years. But I've loved this season because we don't know what tomorrow holds with this team. So maybe, maybe as you're listening to this before game five, you know, you're kind of like, well, they sound like they're down on the Clippers chances. And it's hard not to be optimistic. It's very hard to be optimistic about the team's chances going into game five with everything that's transpired over the last two weeks with the injuries and with the way that this series has gone. However, what I will say is win or lose, this team always fights and always hustles. Even if they get blown out in game five, it's not going to be because of effort. Like they're not going to just quit on you. They're going to be competing. So just remember that. Enjoy this team. Enjoy game five because if it's the last time you see them on the floor this year, just cherish the moment because they've been an awesome team all year. You know, and I've had a blast. Shane, you've had a blast. Let's get out of here. Game five is tonight, everybody. So when you watch the game, love them, cherish them, root for them. Maybe they win. Maybe they don't. But at the end of the day, they're your team. They're our team. They've been great. You can find Shane on Forbes Sports if you want to follow Shane on Twitter. It's at YoungNBA. Shane, you got any words for the good people before we get the hell out of here? Uh, Just be respectful online and have a great time for the last few days that we might have remaining in this series. That's actually a good part. Be respectful. Um, I kind of want to get on a soapbox right now because you said that. (laughs) Like, I'm very tired of people crapping on other people on Twitter or social media in general. Just don't do it. Like, you don't need to do it. Like, you can still have a respectful conversation with people because you wouldn't be rude to people's faces when you're having a conversation about basketball or anything else. Just... Just try to be respectful to people. Like, it's okay. It's still allowed. Trust me. I understand we're not in that realm much often anymore. But for the love of God, just be nice to people. You know, I talk to Suns fans. They talk to me. 
everything was nice. You know, just be nice to people. You'd be shocked how well that goes for you in life. Shane, it's been a blast. I'll see you around. Clippers, game five tonight. Everybody take it easy. Stay safe. We'll see you all later. Go Clippers.